Morning, church. It's glad to have everybody here. Welcome to the Fellowship Center. I see you guys are locked and loaded over there and also our live stream audience. Man, I, I'm loving this meeting folks around the country. How about you? Isn't that great? Awesome to see what God is doing. Yeah, let's give them a little round of applause. Good to see those LSU graduates doing well um, out there. Have you ever just woke up on Sunday morning? The air was more crisp. The songbirds were sweeter. The air was just lighter. That's the way I felt this morning. Anybody else feel that way this morning when you woke up? Wasn't it great? The Lord's Day. On a related note, Lisa and I spent the week up in North Carolina with my Dasher and Atkins cousins and Uncle Gordon. And, you know, I just want to give them a shout out this morning. I know sometimes they tune in. They, uh, they're so humble. Their words are so kind. They have such empathy for other people. So I just want to say I hope you guys are having the same wonderful day that I am this morning. God bless you. We are glad to be here today. Ron Mamoudi is smiling somewhere. Love you, Ron. Uh, I want to mention our marriage refresh. It is going to happen uh, by the grace of God. Uh, We're going to have it this year. So be looking for information for that. It's going to be a Valentine's Day weekend. We're still working on the planning uh, so if you've got any questions about it, see the Kirby's or Lisa and I or the Tomlinson's or, or, or Ryan and Miranda Lee, one of our host couples. Uh, we'll tell you what's going on. we get it all planned out. But we uh, want you guys to sign up. We're going to have a wonderful, uh, refreshing time for our marriages this year. We're super excited about that. Jace Borders, if you'll come on up. Jace is uh, 12 years old. Says here he likes to draw and play basketball. It doesn't say that he has quite the head of hair on him. I mean, this is impressive. Have you noticed, men, that the older you get, the more you appreciate young men like this? That's really good, Jace. You ready to read a scripture? John 1:14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank you, Jace. Appreciate you, buddy. Thanks to my beautiful assistant, Vanna White. Putting that mic up for me. So uh, this past year has been a doozy, right? You know, I was I was thinking back this week and reflecting. Um, this year we have been making the case for Christ out of the book of John. And I don't know that the Lord could have led us to a better idea uh, than to make the case for Christ this year. It seems like it was longer than a year ago, but, you know, this year began with uh, our beloved Langhoffers moving on to higher altitudes and more opportunities in the kingdom of God. That was this year, by the way. Trent preached the first sermon of the new year here. And, man, that just seems like it's been eons ago, right? Uh, You know, our Robertson family found out we had a sister uh, that we didn't know about for 44 years, and now she's here with her husband, Tony. We have more family, more people to love. We've been super blessed. There was a Chinese Wuhan virus that came. I don't know if you heard about that. That uh, changed everything, right? And sent our country and our culture into places we never thought we would go. But a close presidential election that is still in dispute as we stand here this morning. It's been quite the year. We need Jesus Christ more than we've ever needed him. 
the blessing of our family, as you saw from the live stream, is that God has continued to use our church to get the gospel and to get Jesus out through this whole process. In fact, I would say we've had more opportunities than any other time since I've been in ministry here at WFR. And we're looking forward to 2021 to be an amazing year of harvest. Because that's what happens when everything you think you had security in is not there anymore. Then you begin to search and seek. That's why so many have found us. That's why so many of these people we're hearing from on the live stream. They've looked around their communities. They looked around their lives. They thought, you know, there's not enough here. We need something more. And so God says, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to tell you about my son, Jesus. And things change. You see, extraordinary challenges must be met with extraordinary solutions. Supernatural answers to natural problems. Same old, same old just produces the ordinary. But today we're going to be talking about the extraordinary. We're going to begin in 2 Corinthians 3, just a thought and the idea before we finally get to the resurrected Jesus. But Paul made a very interesting observation to the Corinthians, and I want to begin there today because it's really what we're going to be talking about when we talk about the glory of Christ, because the glory of Christ is extraordinary, and it's unique, and it's different. In 2 Corinthians 3, Paul was describing the glory of God, and he used the illustration of Moses. Now, for those of you that are familiar with the Old Testament, when, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, Moses went up on a mountain, and he got the Ten Commandments, and he brought them down. And just because Moses had been in the proximity of the presence of God, when he came down off the mountain, he was glowing, physically glowing. That's how powerful the glory of God is. And then through some of that time when he was with the children of Israel in the wilderness, he would go and have these little powwows with the presence of God in a tent, and he would come back and he would be glowing. And at first, it, it frightened the Hebrew people. So Moses put up a veil, one, because he didn't want to frighten them. But the second thing that Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians is that glow began to fade. And these people who God had brought out with all these miracles and wonderful things, as the glow faded, so did their faith. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to the ordinary. There we at least could fill our stomachs. There we could do this. There we could do that. The glory of God was right in front of them. I mean, he had great things laid out for them to do. He talked about the land of Canaan. He talked about triumph. They didn't want extraordinary. They wanted ordinary. So here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4. 4. The God of this age, to the Corinthians, has blinded the minds of unbelievers... So that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays, and here's our phrase for the day, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Everybody who was looking into the face of Jesus Christ was looking at the glory of God. But some are blinded. Verse 6 of chapter 4, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. You see, Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church, and they had never seen Jesus. They heard about him. They heard about how glorious he was. And so Paul said, from this point forward, here's where you'll see the glory 
of Christ in your biblical heart. And it will be done through faith as we look at that light. Have you ever seen the glory in the face of Jesus Christ? I have many, many times. What's amazing is from my vantage point this morning where I'm standing right here today, I've seen it over and over and over again. In all my years, I've seen people come forward, hearts burdened, but moved to be changed. And then all of a sudden, a dark face full of scorn and sin becomes this brightened face of opportunity and hope and newness. I've seen it over and over. Remember one Sunday night right over here, I saw Mac and Mary Owen come forward. A life, a double life, finally exposed. A broken couple saying, church, we need you. And then we saw the face of the glory of Christ, did we not? And what God did with that couple's lives, with our own celebrated recovery that's here now. I've been in this water, or standing in front of it many, many times, and see faces go down and come up just full of bright glory, newness, freshness salvation that's the face of the glory of christ one in particular that stands out was anna tomlinson a broken woman who had been for a few days at the feet of jesus saying i have nothing left i saw that face come out of that water i said look out something's going to happen here something has i've stood right here I've had couples standing right in front of me and people standing along the sides. And I've performed a lot of I do's. A lot of them. But i got to be honest with you, a lot of couples, they're bewildered in the moment. They're just trying to get through this. they got no clue. It's just like this. Follow the leader. But I've seen some others that looked at each other in a way that I thought, watch out. Christ is working here. Very first couple I married here, it was 1992, Blake and Shannon Gaston. And they had to overcome a lot of obstacles in those early days. 28 years later, I sat behind them last week in the Fellowship Center, watching them praise God. See, that's the, that's the face of the glory of Christ. I've stood right down there on many occasions at the end of a funeral, at the foot of a casket, some saint that I loved deeply and watched family come by. And I shook their hands and I gave them a hug. But they didn't grieve like people who had no hope. They celebrated. This loved one's going to be in heaven, and we're going to see him soon. I saw it yesterday. That's the face of the glory of Christ. That's what happens when we look intently for the light that comes through the gospel. What a blessing we have when we see the face of the glory of Christ. Today we're going to look at the sort of new and improved glorious body of Jesus. And we're going to see some people who just missed it in the moment. Until they got it. And it happened quite frequently. Last week Mike talked about Jesus' first appearance and it was to Mary Magdalene. 
a formerly demon-possessed woman who had no right of testimony, and yet Jesus decided in his divine, infinite wisdom that would be the first person that he would show himself to. And she was excited. And she ran back and she told the disciples, you're not going to believe who's back. But they didn't believe her. You know why they didn't believe her? They didn't see his face full of glory. But she did. After Mary, Jesus' first appearance was to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. If you have your Bibles or tablets or how you follow along, it's going to be Luke 24, 13 through 34. Now, so Jesus appears to Mary in the morning. So now we're a little bit later in the day. And the disciples, you know, they're afraid. Mike talked about last week. They're, they're not knowing what to do. They're afraid that they're next. Well, two of the disciples apparently decided that at a moment like this, we might need a road trip, right? Just get out of Jerusalem, Jerusalem go find some place to hide out. So they're walking along this road to Emmaus, and they're talking amongst themselves, and they're basically retelling the story. That's what happens, isn't it? When you come through a shocking event, you start talking about it. And so then in Luke 24:15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked among them. That's pretty, pretty amazing, right? But they were kept from recognizing him. What does that mean? Here's the way Mark put it, Mark 69. Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them that were walking along the country. Now, we've talked a lot in the book of John this year about Jesus having these, I call them Jesus Jedi things that he does, right? He slips away, he stops storms, he heals people. I mean, he, he's doing some pretty amazing things, but we hadn't seen this yet. We hadn't seen shape-shifting. And yet now in this glorified body, that's what he did. He appeared to them in a different form. He looked like somebody else. You remember Mary thought he was the gardener until he spoke her name. We're seeing some pretty cool stuff. We were talking about on the podcast this week, and it, it struck me. I, I was telling our podcast audience that, you know, if you want to really see all the cool stuff, and we don't have time to go into all of this morning because there's a lot of cool stuff that Jesus does post-resurrection, just go watch an X-Men movie. Anybody watch an X-Men movie? All those things that they do, that's what Jesus was doing. I mean, he was mystique. He was changed into things way before anybody thought about her. Storm? Oh, he controls storms. Read minds, Dr. X got nothing on Jesus. In fact, where do you think they thought of all that? It wasn't mutations from evolution. Jesus showed what happens when you're an X-Man. He's the original. And that's what we see here. Amazing. So he just shows up. He's somebody different. In terms, that's what they think. And I love it because it's so conversational. And I'm paraphrasing. Hey, guys. What's going on? It was very conversational. So one of them looks at him and was like, what's going on? Are you not from around here? Because I'm thinking Jesus is saying, you got no idea, bud. I'm not from around here. And he starts to explain. Jesus said, well, what, what, what happened? Which my personal opinion is, I think that's why Jesus did it anyway. He wanted to, he wanted to get a little intel. What are the disciples thinking about what's going on? So he just shows up and says, tell me what's happening. So they give this long description. Well, Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth, he was a prophet of Israel, and he came into this, and he came and did that, and then he was crucified, and then they give themselves away. And this is where Jesus' heart had to sink just a little bit. I think he'd hoped for more. They said, we had hoped 
that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped. What did they say? But he didn't. He died. Now, nobody can find him. I mean, a woman comes, they give us some crazy stories that he's still alive, but we don't know what's happened to him. Here was Jesus' response. How foolish you are. Now, think about this in the context of what we're talking about. He's Jesus, but as far as they know, he's just some guy who's not from around here. And what he does is rebukes them for their description. How foolish you are, you idiots. Now you say, oh, that's disrespectful. That's what he's saying. And how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things, and here's our phrase, and then enter his glory? Didn't he tell you this was going to be the way it went down? Man, what will it take with you guys? And then I love this. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. You know what Jesus did when they wouldn't believe the story of Jesus? He told the story again. You know what we do when people don't seem to get it? We keep telling the story because that's where the power is. You know, oh, man, what am I going to do? I just got this family person. I got this friend at work. They just won't seem to get it. Keep telling the story. There's power in it. And you never know when finally their eyes are going to be open. They're going to say, now I'm ready for the story. Jesus showed us at this early beginning, the power is in the gospel. It's in him. So in verse 28 through 35, Jesus acts like he's going to keep going. This is like a charade. He's like, all right, guys, good to see you. I'm heading on down the road. Oh, no, no, no. It's it's almost the end of the evening. Why don't you come in and eat eat, eat with us and talk some more? So Jesus does. Sits down in this intimate setting of a table which, by the way, is going to be the bedrock of his church going forward. He took some bread. He gave thanks for it. He broke it. He gave it to them. And all of a sudden, shapeshift, they see him. They see his glory. They looked in his face. But guess what he does now? Gone. He was the little blue guy that just shows up in the room and he's gone. Whoo. I don't know about you, but I'm liking this glorified body stuff. You know why? Because 1 John tells us we're going to get one too. I have always wanted to be an X-Man, right? We're going to do some cool stuff. I love their response after he disappeared. They looked at each other. Here's what they said. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road And open the scriptures to us. These old boys now, they have seen the face of the glory of God. They understand the story. And they're ready to do something about it. First thing they did was they run back and they tell the other disciples, Man, this is so exciting. Guess what happened? They didn't believe them. They didn't believe them. Why? They didn't see the face of the glory of God. They're missing it. So Jesus appears to them. Now we're in John chapter 20, verse 19. 
on the evening of the first day of the week. So now, remember now, so we started the day, appeared to Mary in the morning. He appeared to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus in the afternoon. Now we're evening. So we got another appearance to make. The disciples were together. The doors are locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them. Blue guy. Hey, guys. Now, I'm sure there was probably pandemonium in the moment. And I used to think this next phrase, when he says it, he was just saying, settle down, boys, settle down. He said, peace be with you. But this week, I spent a little more time digging into that phrase because he's going to say it two more times. Once more here and then a week later. There was more to it than that. You see, the Greek word here for this phrase, peace be with you, means everything correctly balanced. That's what the word literally means. In Hebrew, shalom, it means wholeness, completion, and tranquility. Jesus has never used this phrase with the disciples before. This is the first time. This is a new one. Peace be with you. It was more than just settle down, boys. He was saying things have changed. You know what the most oft-used phrase Jesus had with the disciples before this one was? Do not be afraid. Over and over and over again. He didn't say that here. Now, it already said they were coward in fear because of the Jews. He didn't say, do not be afraid. He said, peace be with you. Things have changed, boys. You're, you're not going to believe what's about to happen. That's what he's saying. It's a new greeting for a new day. You know the last thing he said that any of them would have had a chance to hear? It is finished. As he gave up his spirit on the cross. Things have changed. Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed. There's another Jesus Jedi. He now can go back in time and show them what his body looked like back after the resurrection, before the glorified body. That's pretty cool, right? Because time means nothing. If I want to show you the holes in my hand or in my side, I just, there it is. Glorified body maneuvers. It's going to be a thing one day, I'm telling you. Verse 21, Jesus said, again, peace be with you. Because now it's the same thing. He's like, look, see, things are different. Sin has been defeated in this body. Things are different. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Catch that? He just gave them a future purpose. Here's your mission, boys. You're about to be sent. We're going to talk more about that when we talk about the Great Commission. And then he said, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you're going to have a mission and a purpose, then you've got to have a power to be able to do it. And the power comes from the Holy Spirit of God. Here it is, boys. Luke described it this way. He said, he opened their minds so they could understand the Scripture. So many people tell me, well, I just, I can't seem to get it. I mean, I read the Bible. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It just doesn't motivate me. It just doesn't move me. It never will unless the Holy Spirit lives in you as your guide. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. You don't have him. You can't get it. So it has to start there. Then he said, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now he gives them passion and a message. 
You are about to help people with their forgiveness of sins. Forget about the fact there's going to be a great outpouring of the Spirit that's going to come in Acts 2 that we're going to talk about next year. It's going to come, and they're going to be doing all these major miraculous things and healings just like Jesus did. But he says, look, that's not where the power is. The power is in forgiveness. You remember when Jesus would forgive somebody, and then he would heal them, or vice versa? The healing is only the sign. Because they're going to get sick and die again anyway. It's the forgiveness of sin that's where the power is. That's where we overcome this life. So many people in the world today said, oh, if I only had a miracle. No, if you only had faith, you would have something that would change you forever. The miracle is nothing but the sign. Now we get a little addendum in verse 24. Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples. Uh Uh-oh, he missed it. So he shows up, and the disciples say, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger in the nails or put my hand in the side, I will not believe. Here's another one who doesn't believe. Why? He didn't see the face of the glory of Christ. So, in verse 26, a week later, Thomas is with them, and Jesus shows up again. Right through the locked door, just like last time. Peace be with you. We got our greeting, right? And then he looked at Thomas and he said, put your finger here. See my hands. Put your hand in my side. Stop doubting and believe. You remember Thomas was going back in John 14. that said, Lord, I mean, you say you're going to heaven. How, how How do we know where to go? And then Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. That ought to give you chills. Why? Because he finally saw the glory in the face of Christ. My Lord and my God. That's a short statement, but you know what it says? Everything. You got it. My Lord and my God. You know what else I love about this picture? is that Jesus is a no-man-left-behind kind of God. Thomas missed it. He could have said, well, should have been there, son. But he didn't. He came back a week later just to make sure that Thomas had an opportunity to see his face. That's who our Lord is. That's why Peter said in 2 Peter 3, God doesn't want anyone to perish. He's patient. It's not slow that he's not coming. Man, we experience a year like we just experienced. I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, we're ready. I got a little more for you to do. Just be patient. I may have another Thomas or two to deal with. For those who have wandered, like me, away from faith, I'm so glad I had an opportunity to come back. And that God was waiting on me. I want to close with this last three verses in John chapter 20. Because this speaks directly to us. Jesus told him, Thomas, because you have seen me, this glory, this body that's been marred by sin, because you have seen me, you believe. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. If you think about that, was everybody that lived up to the first century that's everybody that's lived since where do we see 
the glory in the face of Christ right here and on the faces of others that have come to him. That's where it's at. That's what motivates us. That's what changes us to say, my Lord and my God. So how do we believe when you haven't seen his face? Because we've got a lot of people that are like, the face of Christ? Well, what does this even mean? Well, first of all, we believe because of the witness of these original men. These guys went from hiding out in a room to going out and conquering the world for Christ. And every single one of them, except for John, died for the cause. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you'll go to your death for something, and especially if it's real, you can change the world. We wouldn't be here 2,000 years later if they hadn't. We believe because the Holy Spirit wrote us a guide and then shows us what it means. Man, the glory of Christ is in there everywhere. Don't you love it when you hear a passage and all of a sudden God speaks to you in this whole new way and you've heard that passage your whole life? What changed? You did. You were finally in a position to get the message that God had for you. And you let the Holy Spirit guide you into it. I've heard preachers say, man, I don't know how you preach in one place for so long. Because the Word of God is living and active. You don't run out of soap preaching. We change. The Word does it. We believe because Jesus lives in us. We're his face. We're his hands. We're his feet. That's what we do. We believe because of the power we see in changed lives. Man, if if that doesn't warm your heart, I don't know what will. To see someone go from darkness to light. We believe because we see the creation of God and his glory And quite frankly, what other alternative is there? We came out of salt water. We flopped around until we became this, and then we're just going to go in the ground, and that's the end of it? That's the hopeful message? (laughs) That's the alternative? I see things in the universe, the revelation of God, and I think, wow, that's glory. And that's ours, because we are co-heirs with Christ. Who wants to be ordinary when extraordinary is available? The glory of the extraordinary. And today is your opportunity, if you've never embraced Christ. Those of you watching the live stream, this is your, this is your opportunity. Because unless you say, my Lord and my God, unless you believe he is who he says he is, You can never start the process to be any different. And you'll just be frustrated and living in futility. So it starts with that hard ability to say, I see it. I want it. I'm ready to commit to it. That's what we're calling you to today. I mentioned the water behind me. When a person is baptized into Christ, they are reenacting this whole story. Jesus coming here, Jesus dying, Jesus being buried, Jesus being raised, Jesus ascending. That's what happens in that water. We're reenacting that to show the whole world, I'm in. So if there's any of you out in live stream that want to get that done, get somebody to baptize you. doesn't have to be somebody ordained or special. It's a commitment of your heart and life. Or ask Jeremy, 
Jeremy's good with our live stream audience. He'll, he'll line you out on what you need to do. If some of you along the way lose sight of glory because of the cares of this world, you have an opportunity to do something about that today. And sometimes that means just coming together in community like we are here this morning, coming forward and saying, you know what, Lord? I just had my eyes off your glory. And so I want to change that and be different. And I want to do that today. We want to give you that opportunity in this room, the Fellowship Center, and also with our live stream audience to come to Jesus today. See his glory. Why don't you do that while we stand and while we sing?